All right, we are in Romans chapter 14. We're going to be closing out the series I've been doing on drawing lines on ecclesiastical separation. And I really hope everyone's gotten the spirit of these messages because um, I don't want to confuse people. I like to be very clear about what I believe. And sometimes, you know, actions and things can confuse people. I don't ever want to be that way. I don't, and I don't want you all to be confused. You know, if we have somebody like Pastor Randall come here and preach, and then you all go home, listen to some of his preaching, and then you hear him say something a little bit different than I would say. And they'd be like, what's going on? You know, is Pastor Tommy compromising? Uh, do I need to let him know about this so he can expose him? <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't want to, like, freak everybody out, but I don't think everyone has to be exactly like me. I, I, don't, I don't believe that. But at the same time, uh, I think we can be that way. We can be accepting and still be firm on what we believe, still take strong stands, and I don't think we're compromisers if we do that. Obviously, there's a way we can compromise. I get all that. But a lot of times people, when they just don't understand right and wrong on things, they, they get confused by stuff. And I don't want to do that. And so I'm hoping, you know, it's been my goal with these messages to help kind of everybody understand where I'm at, what my thinking is in these things. And so I hope it has been a help. And we're going to probably cover tonight probably the most uh, complicated of the subject. It's so complicated I couldn't really use a whiteboard. If I would have used a whiteboard, it would have looked like a Ruckmanite trying to explain a pre-trib rapture uh, on there. So we uh, we just, I thought, I'm forgetting the whiteboard tonight. I'm not going to use it. And so got a lot I want to try to cover. We're going to go through all of Romans chapter 14. But let's go ahead and start reading in verse 1. It says, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. I've used this verse in both sermons. We can receive people who are weak in the faith, you know, unless, they're, if, if they're, unless they're trying to cause problems. Okay? If, they're, if they want to come here, if people want to come in this church and fight with us on stuff where we disagree, we don't have to put up with that. But if somebody comes in here and they think a little differently on something, that's not time for us all to panic and for you to all come tattling to me. Okay? If we have a visitor come in this church and they've got an NIV Bible, you don't need to come tattle, on, tattle to me. Okay? I think they'll figure it out. I don't think we're compromising. We know what we believe about the King James Bible here. You know, you know what, what are you doing? You know what we're doing? We're giving people time. We're giving people a chance to learn. So, you know, just chill out, okay? You know, you know chill out. And we can apply that to a lot of things. Verse 2. Now, notice it says, For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. We've got two opposing views right here, two opposing practices. And notice Paul says in these areas, don't judge, don't judge each other. It says, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Now, I am very aware of the fact that the examples that Paul used here are concerning things that we eat and concerning how we view different days. Okay? But I do believe that uh, the principle could apply here when it comes to things like standards. And specifically, what I'll probably reference a lot are music standards, uh, clothing standards. That's something we talk about a lot in the IFB, and it's something the IFB loves to fight about. And listen, I'm IFB. I like to fight about stuff too, okay? I'm the first one to, you know, get involved in a fight, maybe even start a few, okay? I'm, I'm the first one to jump into that stuff. But did you know there are some things that is none of our business? I, there, there really is. There's some things that are none of our business. And I think here in these examples... It, you know, these were things that weren't really anybody else's business. People don't need to worry about what everybody else is doing on this stuff. And I do believe when it comes to this subject, you know, that there are areas where the IFB is often right in their position, but sometimes they cross lines when it comes to getting in other people's business. And we got to be careful about this. And so, uh, you know, this subject, IFB loves to talk about it. This is a, the word standard, it's a trigger word for a lot of former IFB trendy types. They don't like hearing it. And the two areas to where the fighting usually takes place is involving music and dress standards. And, and I hope I can communicate this properly. Pray for me tonight as I preach this. I want to communicate this in a way that everyone will get. 
Um, I got a lot of notes because I wrote out a lot of what I wanted to say because I want to I want to communicate this right, and I, and I hope I succeed in doing this because it's one of those deals where have you ever have you ever heard people they ask you a question and it's clear they're not really trying to get an answer from you they're trying to set you up to get you to say something that they can criticize. And sometimes we take the bait. And I'm telling you, this is an area where we do this. The trendies, they're real good at asking questions that set the IFB up to look like a bunch of legalistic, you know, maniacs and stuff. And a lot of times the IFB takes the bait. And it doesn't mean the IFB is wrong on their position, but often because they're tricked into answering some of these questions, it ends up kind of making them look bad. we got to watch out for that. But I do believe every church, I believe every Christian needs to have some standards when it comes to things like music and dress. I believe that. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. Did that phrase, be not conformed to this world, was that only a reference for that generation? You know what? I'll bet none of you in here dress like you were from the first century, Rome. But you know what? You might be conformed to the world right now. It says, But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we're supposed to find out what these things are. As we go through, as life goes on, as time goes on, as, as cultures change, as times change, we should be always asking, Lord, what meets your approval? What is okay with you? Lord, what is your will for our life? We should always be asking that question. It's a very important thing. And every church, every Christian needs to do this for themselves. But you know what? Most people today, they want a denomination to do it. or They want a movement to do it for them. They want some pope to just get up and tell everyone, this is how you dress, this is what you're allowed to wear, nothing more, nothing less. They don't want to have to think. They don't want to have to judge these things in their own mind. And so, uh, Baptists, they are not wrong when they get up and they preach about standards. This should absolutely be done. But here's the thing too, just because this should be done, preaching on standards, it should be done, it doesn't mean Baptists always do it right. Sometimes they mess up a little bit in how they do this. And so as we go through Romans 14 tonight, I want to show where Baptists often go wrong when it comes to this subject of standards. And so while I would consider myself in agreement, you know, with your mainstream stereotypical IFB preacher when it comes to standards on dress and music, I will say that I believe though we often cross lines when it comes to our judgment or our treatment of others who do not hold to the same standards. I do believe we cross lines there sometimes. And so, uh, the first thing we need to do when trying to figure these things out, and I'm going to probably focus more on dress in this message because that's a little easier to do. Music, I don't know what their music sounded like in Paul's day. I, I don't know what it sounded like. Okay, uh, I know what the music sounded like when they came down from the mountain. Uh, with Moses and Joshua, heard the noise of one of the camp. That was Christian rock. All right. That was Christian rock. I've heard a million sermons on that. I know that, but uh, you know, seven, you know, thousand years later in Paul's day, I don't really know. All right. So um, first off, so we'll, we'll talk about dress because there's a lot more things that are concrete that we know. So Genesis three and verse seven says, "This is after Adam and Eve ate of the fruit." It says. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. You know what one thing we know? We know that nakedness is a sin. Okay? We know that nakedness is a sin. When man fell, they immediately, instinctively knew we need to cover up our nakedness. Okay? It, is, it is a natural instinct to want to cover nakedness. Okay? We, people are embarrassed to be out naked. We know these things need to be covered. And we know too for sure that nakedness in the Bible is from the loins to the thighs. According to Exodus 28, 42, it says, Thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins even unto the thighs they shall reach. Now some people, they want to make nakedness more than that. And I don't think we need to go farther than what the Bible does on these things. But I do think that, uh, you know, 
there's a, there's a difference between nakedness and immodesty. I think you can have your nakedness covered, but you can still be immodest. And a lot of times, uh, what you know, people refer to as nakedness is not technically nakedness. Let's not go more extreme than the Bible, but it is definitely, uh, a, a, definitely a modesty issue. And we know that uh, many things that we get upset about when it comes to how people dress, it's a modesty thing, not necessarily a nakedness thing. We see in 1 Timothy 2.9, it says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. So notice Paul says you're supposed to adorn yourself in modest apparel. And then you know what he did too? He goes on to kind of get specific. He said, let me give you an example of stuff that people were doing in that day with the broided hair. And from what I've read, that's where they would weave jewels and things to their hair. Just kind of doing gaudy things, just kind of being extravagant doing things that can draw attention to yourself. Now, today, that looks different. Today, what people do to try to draw attention to themselves, that stuff changes over time. But uh, we know that when it comes to how we dress, we should be modest. We know that clothing should be gender-specific. We know what it says in Deuteronomy 22.5. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people that got PTSD from their time in the IFB because of this verse right here where it says, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. And you know what? We all should be disgusted and horrified by men wearing women's clothes and women wearing men's clothes. And let me tell you, you know, you know where it all started? It all started with Hollywood making it funny for people to cross-dress. It's not funny. Okay. Listen, there's some things just is not funny. And we, you know, it's, it's just wrong. It's an abomination. We should all be repulsed by that. And so, uh, so now here's where we, though we have to be honest about what is going on. So while the Bible does give some clear lines on nakedness, and it, it doesn't necessarily go into great detail of what all is modest or immodest, and it doesn't also go into great detail on what clothing belongs to which gender. Okay? That, and that's another thing we've got to be honest about. Now, this is where we all have to follow. The resp- you know, we have the responsibility to follow what we see in Romans 12, 1 and 2. We've got to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And the denomination cannot do this for us. Okay? They can't do it. We're all going to have to do this. And so, uh, to kind of illustrate this, let me illustrate something that happened in what you could say recent IFB history. Okay, because here's the, let me ask you this too, all right? Don't answer this question out loud. But when you think a woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, what's the first item of clothing that you think about? Okay, I can read all your minds. I said you didn't have to say it, but you all are yelling it at me in your mind. Don't worry, we're going to talk about pants on women tonight, okay? Don't worry about it. We're, we're going to talk about it. We're not afraid here. Well, we're going to talk about it. That's what you all are thinking. Okay, but now, again, let's just, we're, we're going to be real honest here tonight. Okay, so before we get to, I, I get to some of that, something that happened in recent IFB history. Now, in the 70s and 80s, preachers did a lot of preaching against shorts. Okay, now, I believe that was appropriate. The shorts they wore back in the 70s and 80s were like Daisy Dukes. Hey, you ever watch those basketball games, you know, like Larry Bird and those tiny little shorts? It's disgusting. Hey, that was inappropriate. Pete, you know, and my dad, okay, my dad, he's so embarrassed that a picture may surface something one day. He talks about how he used to wear these cut off jean shorts that were so short that you could see the back pockets like hanging down. And guys do that kind of stuff. That's not right, folks. They're, they crossed the line. And you know what? Thank God preachers were around back then screaming about shorts on, on men. Okay, but here's what ended up happening. Okay, those shorts were wrong, not because of the name of the item of clothing, but because of the fact that they did not cover their nakedness. 
Nakedness is a sin, not shorts. Do y'all understand that? Nakedness is a sin, not shorts. Now, what ended up happening, you know, in like the 90s, all of a sudden shorts got longer, didn't they? Shorts got down to the knees. Shorts got down almost to the ankles sometimes. I don't know if you remember those. We don't see those a whole lot anymore. But here's the thing. IFB had preached against shorts for so long that shorts became a sin. But the thing is, those shorts were covering nakedness. So you can't really say those things are sins. Okay, now, but the thing is, you know, we're the IFB. We ain't changing. And we preached against shorts in the 70s. We preached against shorts in the 80s. And we're going to preach against shorts in the 90s. But wait a minute. Shorts was never the sin. It was the showing of nakedness that was a sin. But they weren't wrong when talking about those things, getting specific and referring to the shorts. But it was like they didn't realize, you know, things had changed. And then, you know, you're getting on people for wearing things that are clearly covering nakedness. You know, that's not necessarily right. And so, uh, you know, here's the thing. Definitions of items of clothing can change over time. Because notice what we read. Now watch this. Because a lot of IFB, they basically declared shorts a sin. Shorts. That word's not in the Bible, but it's a sin. Okay? And so, this, this is what they did. But here's, here's the problem with that. Okay? Exodus 28.42, what does it say? And thou shalt make them linen breeches. That's proof men wore pants in the Bible. Amen? Linen breeches, like breeches, right? But notice what it says. To cover the nakedness from the loins even under the thighs. That's not breeches. That's shorts. <laughs> okay. But what did they call them back then? They called them breeches. And you know what? I mean, are, any, you know, are, are we wearing breeches or are we wearing pants? Well, it's the same thing. But no, yours go to the ankles. You, you see how we distinguish these things. These things change over time. Names of things change over time. So the thing is, if I'm up here preaching shorts are a sin, I know shorts are a sin. They've been preaching against it since the 70s. And then you go and show me this. Well, that technically is shorts. And then it's like, well, we got a problem. But you see, it's not about the name of the clothing. Can we all get that in our head? It's not about the name of the clothing. It's about the fact that it was showing nakedness. And so the IFB, you know, they kind of, did a bad job in the communication there. They weren't, they weren't technically wrong. When a preacher got up and he's ripping on shorts, he was right in what he was trying to communicate because he's talking about these Larry Bird type Daisy Dukes and stuff. They, they, he wasn't wrong when he did that. But at the same time, they should have admitted that in the 90s, well, it's like, okay, I guess if you're covering your nakedness, you're okay. But we ain't changing but the thing is, something changed. What that clothing is and does, it, it's changed. It's, it's doing its job now. It's covering their nakedness. So uh, this kind of thing happens all the time. Names get changed for things over time. If I said I was wearing jeans, what would, you, what would that mean? You would think, well, you're talking about like blue jeans, pants. But jeans just a material, isn't it? But you would, if I said I'm wearing jeans, you know what? You'd, we'd all probably think the accurate thing. And so I believe with all my heart that when it comes to figuring out God's will for your personal life on what your standard should be, I don't think it's really difficult to figure it out. But what's very difficult and what's very complicated is trying to take my Bible and figure out what I, what the, I have the authority to tell the rest of the world to do. That's where it gets complicated. When I want to be the Pope and I just want to tell everyone across the age, world what they're supposed to do because there's no doubt clothing changes over time it changes throughout cultures and we don't dress like jesus did and paul did do we no we don't okay apostle paul didn't wear a suit and tie i i promise you jesus never wore a tie and but yet that's what we do so we all because the truth is we all identify ourselves with the culture and with the time era by how we dress, and even with our music. We often do that to a certain extent. We identify ourselves. So let's go ahead and go back to uh, Romans chapter 14, and let's look at a few things, and some principles that we get. And again, 
I understand. This is talking about judging what someone eats and how someone regards a day. But I believe that the principle also applies in this area of standards. I, I, I believe that. If you disagree with that, you want to show me why that why this is a completely different category. Well, then, you know, I, I won't admit I'm wrong. I'm Baptist, but no, I mean, that's fine. You don't have to agree with me on this. But uh, Romans 14, verse 1, it says, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye to not to doubtful disputations. And again, in the faith is not just a reference to salvation, but in the Christian way of life, in the way that they are promoting while new Christians are just as saved as someone who's been saved for decades, everyone is going to be in a different place in their walk with God. We need to understand that. We should try to be a help. We should try to give encouragement to anyone who's trying to live for God, even if they're not doing the best job. You know, there are people that are trying to be good Christians and they're not doing a very good job, but they're trying. You know what we ought to do? We ought to encourage those people. We ought to cheer them on. You know, there's some people that are doing a better job and they're not even really trying that hard. You know, and, you know, they should try to do more. You know, we should all try to do our best. You know, but at, at the end of the day, everyone's in a different place. You know, so we should try to encourage everyone. We should all try to exhort each other. Verse 2 says, For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. We have two different beliefs right here. Okay? Now let me ask you. Who is right? Well, technically, the one who believes he can eat all things is right. It says in First Timothy 4.4, 4, For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Hey, I got a Bible verse to prove that the guy who says he can eat all things is right. Let's nail the other guy who thinks he should only eat herbs. No, the Bible says don't judge him. Neither of them. Don't judge each other. But wait a minute. We've got two different positions. We've got one family in our church, they think it's okay to eat meat, and another family that's vegetarian, and they don't think you should eat meat. What are we going to do? Nothing. Pastor Tommy, I found out something in the church, they think, they think it's wrong to eat animals. What are you going to do about that? <laughs> Nothing. Hope they don't invite me over to eat at their house. I like an animal with my meal. You know, but and you know what? Even if they did invite me to eat, I'd go over there and I'd eat the vegetables. And I wouldn't rebuke them for not eating meat. When told not to not judge. It says, Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. This is one of those verses in the Bible I don't like. Because you know what? I and can I just be honest tonight? I naturally don't like vegetarians. They always think because they always think they're better than the rest of us. That's why. They think they're better than the rest of us. And so that makes me mad when people feel that way. But that's why God said not to despise them. Let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God receiveth. God received him. So God receives me. So you know what? You vegetarians can judge me all you want. I'll, I'll judge you right back. No, we're not supposed to judge each other. Notice both groups just need to mind their own business and not judge the other. Now, remember, the one who doesn't eat they're technically wrong. But even though they're wrong, we've been commanded not to judge them. And that means, if I've been commanded not to judge them, that means I don't get to act, change how I act towards them based on their error. That's what that means. This is a none of my business situation. So obviously, I'm naturally going to be inclined to like the person, you know, Who's eating? Who likes meat? Okay, you know, brother Sean smoked some meat and brought it today. Okay, you know, if if I get invited over to somebody's house to eat who smokes meat, and the house of a vegetarian, you know who I'm going to be more inclined to want to go over to? You know, the one that smokes meat. But at the same time, I shouldn't treat them different. Okay, I should just go whoever asks first or whatever. That that's that's the right thing to do in that situation. Now. This doesn't mean, you know, when it comes to not judging what people eat, this doesn't mean we shouldn't have a problem with someone who's destroying their health. Okay? The Bible says we need all things. So I'm going on a strict diet of little Debbie snacks. Okay? Obviously, that's, you know, not necessarily good for your health. 
you know, you know, they're making bad choices on what they choose to consume. But here's the thing. If we see someone harming themselves, it's okay to have a problem with it. But here's what we do. Okay. This is where we start acting like Baptists. Okay. Obviously, we don't want to see somebody harm themselves with their diet, do we? But here, what happens, we, you know, so let's just say Brother Daniel, all of a sudden he does. He goes on a strict diet of Little Debbie snacks. And we start seeing him grow rapidly. Now, we're all going to be concerned about him. It's like, man, this isn't good. We're seeing what you're eating all the time. Now, if we're good IFB Baptists, what we're going to do is we're going to just start preaching against Little Debbie snacks. Because that's a problem. We're going to declare Little Debbie snacks a sin because look at what he's doing to himself. But here's the thing. Is, are Little Debbie snacks a sin? Technically? No, they're not. Because you know what? I eat Little Debbie snacks sometimes. But I don't eat it all the time. You know, it's not, it's not all I eat. But what we do, we do. We just declare these things. We declare Twinkies a sin. That's not, that's not the case. Obviously, destroying your health is a sin. But, you know, there are some things you can do in moderation. And we cross a line when we do that. And so, you know, I'm try, as a pastor, I want to help Brother Daniel. And I'm thinking, man, how can I help him? I've got to get him off these little Debbie snacks. And so I just preach a sermon against little Debbie snacks. You, you're eating that kind of junk. You're not right with God. It's high time we all start making our own gardens. High time we all start just eating nothing but organic and start, you know, eating the stuff that God made. Amen? And then I just condemn all that kind of stuff. No, I, I, I'm crossing a line now when I do that. Or another thing, too, a pastor can get up and he can talk about health, you know, and taking care of your body. Your body's a temple. That's fine. And then he starts throwing out examples of things you can do and go to extreme. And then... All of you start kind of declaring those things a sin. Eating at McDonald's all the time. You know, and then you see somebody at church going through McDonald's drive through on the way home. It's like, man, they got a problem. No, you can't do that, okay? You should not think less of that person because that you're judging them in an area where it's not really any of your business. And so the IFB, we've kind of created a lot of new sins. You know, in, in getting specific on areas where people are going to extremes and getting in trouble, we start preaching in a way where we kind of start creating new sins. That's not what we're supposed to do. You know, if you see somebody eating too much at a buffet, and, you know, and it's affecting them, you know, but then you, instead of just saying, hey, you know, you need to back off on the buffet, you need a salad every once in a while, you know, you can't just go declaring everyone who eats at a buffet a sinner. So I need Brother Dan to stop going to the buffets. So I do. I just declare going to a buffet a sin. It's not a sin. Okay? That, that obviously is not a sin. So you might think that buffets are a stumbling block and you have every right to refuse. Okay? Have you ever gone to Golden Corral before? Okay? I love Golden Corral. But when I go to Golden Corral, I have a habit of putting on blinders like a horse and not looking at the people in the place. Because... There's some stereotypes, you know, and there's the things that you see. And it's like, you see all that. And it's like, what am I doing here? <laughs> this is going to be me. This is going to be me if I come here too much. You know, and if I had a golden crowd bias, that probably could happen. That probably would happen to me. But, you know, the thing is, so I might want to say, you know what? I think it's terrible what's happening to these people. I don't want to have anything to do with buffets. I'm not going to buffets. You know, it's not wrong for me to do that for myself, to set a standard and say no buffets, no fast food, only whatever. But what I don't have any right to do is to tell all of you, you can't do that either. I have no right to do that. And then I go and I tell our family, kids, no more McDonald's for us. And I need, I get, I need to watch out that I don't teach them to be judgmental when your kid is showing them their Happy Meal toy they got. And my kids are like, oh, you go to McDonald's, huh? We all know it's going to happen to you. You know, when you get older, hey, you're not wrong for setting that standard. But you're dead wrong when you start judging everybody else on that thing. You don't have the right to create new sins. You don't have the right to treat people differently who do some things that maybe you don't do. You've got to watch out for that. So verse 4 goes on to say, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he should be holding up. For God is able to make him stand. 
Many times the people that we're shunning are people that we don't have any authority over. It's like, who are you to judge another man's servant? That's not your problem. Where in the Bible does it give you the authority to be warden over somebody in this area? You know what? I got enough stuff. You know, we all have enough stuff to worry about in our own lives and our own family. There's just some areas we don't need to get into. And I'm telling you right now, when you got, when you have somebody in the church, especially somebody who's not even in leadership in the church and they want to start policing what other people in the church are wearing. I just want, my question is, why do you even want to do that? I'm the pastor and I don't want to do that. You think I want to do a dress check when everybody's coming into the church all the time? I don't want to do that. And I don't want to go into church where they do that. I remember we used to go to a, a competition for Christian schools and stuff, and they had a real strict dress code there. And I remember as a student going there, and, you know, the guys had to wear a suit and ties everywhere, had to have a haircut a certain way, all, all this stuff. And I remember when your group got there, you had to go walk, your whole group had to go walk up on the platform, and there was people up in the balcony, like, watching you, checking to see if you, you know, made the cut and you were dressed right. And we all just stood up there. And then they're like, all right, you can go down. I remember we could pass. I remember uh, there was one group. We went into the bathroom, and the guys were all in there shaving their sideburns off because their sideburns were too long. Uh, they weren't allowed to have that, and they were, like, you know, doing all this stuff to get their hairlines up the code. I mean, hey, it was their church. It was their event. They can do whatever they want to do. I thought it was kind of weird. And, uh, you, might, and you know what? I don't want to do that kind of stuff here at church. Y'all want to do that next week? Have your family come walk across the stage while some people sit back there and check on you? Who would come back the next week after that? <laughs> probably, probably most of you'd be out of here. Some of you probably like that. You know, you're, you're Christian Nazis. You're so judgmental. And you'd love to see people getting walked out for not quite getting it right. And, you know, and so, you know, this kind of stuff only happens in the IFB, but it definitely happens. So, you know, here's as as a pastor, as long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to do at my church, I'm in the clear. There's just some things I'm not interested in getting involved in and in judging. And again, if another pastor, if I feel they're trying to pull me away from something I believe in, I don't have to receive him. If there's another pastor out there and his dress standards and his music isn't what I think it should be, as long as he's not criticizing me and trying to pull me away, if as long as he's telling, not telling me to come put on skinny jeans, you know, when I come to his church and, you know, whatever, I, I, I'm not really that worried about it. You know, but I, I think I can still receive them, still be friend, as long as they're not putting that pressure to get me to do something that violates my conscience. So verse 5 says, One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. And you know, a lot of pastors, they're not content to let people be persuaded. They want to make them do things. I'm not interested in that. And so, here what Paul used to illustrate what he's teaching, he used days and their different meanings of people. This was not about who's right or who's wrong. It's about what it means to them. Don't understand that? Some people think Christmas is pagan. Some people don't. You know what? If you think it's pagan, don't celebrate it. But you know, if somebody doesn't, you know, don't judge them for that. Just mind your own business with this stuff. This is an area where we've been specifically told, mind your own business. And people want to get all judgmental over this stuff. If somebody wants to you know, celebrate Columbus Day, we don't need you telling them what they, he did to the Indians. Just leave, leave them alone. Okay? I never really cared about Columbus Day until everybody started hating it. Now I want to celebrate it. But... You know, I'm bothered by people, you know, and here's the thing. I got to watch out for this. I'm bothered by people who pretend to observe the Passover. But you know, what? I got to be careful not to go too far and hammer the person who maybe is just remembering the Passover. Because what's wrong with remembering the Passover? I mean, nothing. That was a great day. It was a wonderful thing. You know, you can remember the Passover and talk about Jesus you know, like I said, it's just when people pretend that they're like observing it like in the Old Testament or doing the modern day Jewish shortcut version. But, you know, for some people, they don't think that they're, you know, doing it like in the Old Testament. They're just, uh, you know, they're just remembering it. 
You know, I had somebody one time that they were wondering if they should still go to this church because the pastor was talking about Passover on Passover. I was like, it's like, you know, maybe I got to be a little clearer in some of my preaching. It's okay to remember the Passover. It's okay to talk about the Passover. It's okay to teach what they did in the Passover. Okay? I'm just, I'm just saying we don't want to like promote a shortcut version that does not resemble what was in the Bible. If you're going to do anything, you need to be talking about Jesus and how he did it and he was a Passover lamb. And I'll say this for sure, you shouldn't sacrifice a lamb <laughs> during the Passover. I can for sure tell you you shouldn't do that. And, and don't do the synagogue of Satan Seder dinners, please. Okay. But not everybody's doing that. So we got, we got to watch out. To them, it's something different. So me, because I want to get away from this Hebrew roots junk, I don't want to do anything that resembles that but it is it's different things different people it says he that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the lord and he that regardeth not the day to the lord doth not regard it he that eateth eateth to the lord for he giveth god thanks and he that eateth not to the lord he eateth not and giveth god thanks for none of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself whether we live we live unto the lord whether we die we die unto the lord whether we live therefore or die we are the lord's and so while people often see Many things differently. There are some things that are between them and God, and it's not our business. So verse 9 says, For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then everyone shall give an account of himself to God. And let me tell you something. The fact that we are going to stand before God ought to give all of us plenty of things to worry about that we don't have time and we shouldn't be that concerned about judging our brothers. And I'm going to stand before God for what I did in my body. That's enough to keep me busy for a while. So you know what? I don't need to worry that much about what you're doing. And you know what? The fact that everyone else is going to stand before God and they're going to be judged, that ought to relieve all of us. Because let me tell you, you know, if Brother Hugo really does need to get nailed for something he's doing that I don't like, God's going to get him on judgment day. Now, who's going to handle him better, God or me? Well, God's going to handle it better. So, you know, I don't need to worry about it. It's just, it's not my problem. So, uh, verse 13 says, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge us rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. You know what? All of a sudden he's saying, you know, if you want to worry about something, if you want to judge something, judge this. Don't do something that's going to be offensive to your neighbor. Oh, wait a minute. So now, it's not about just who's right and who's wrong. I would need to make sure I'm trying to edify other people, that I'm not hurting them, that I'm not giving them the wrong idea? Well, that kind of stinks. That's what Paul said. It says, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore. Or I read the verse 14. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat, for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so this, this changes things because not only are we told not to judge our brothers specifically concerning what they eat or drink, but we've been told to make sure our liberty doesn't cause our weaker brother to stumble. So we should be looking out for him instead of trying to conform everyone to our liking. That's, that's what Paul's saying. That's what you should actually be worried about. But verse 18 says, For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Oh, that doesn't sound very Baptist. I'd rather find stuff that we can fight about. And I want to find something I can nail these people with. I want to find something that shows where we're better than all the other churches. And let me tell you something. When it comes to how we dress, we're definitely better than the skinny jeans crowd. All right, when it comes to the music, we're definitely better than the 7-Eleven crowd, right? Let's nail those people. All right, let's, let's get those people. Now, how about we keep doing what we're supposed to be doing and mind our own business? Okay. You say, Pastor Tommy, you're going to quit 
Uh, are you going to quit making fun of the skinny jean crowd and the, you know, trendies and all that kind of stuff? Hey, listen, I haven't got my glorified body yet. So in the meantime, you know, it's still probably going to come out. I'm going to make fun of those people sometimes. It says, verse 20, for me, destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. For it is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything wherewith thy brother stumbleth, or his offender is made weak. You know, it's evil if you're doing something that you know is going to be offensive to people. Well, I'm doing it though because I can. Well, listen, if I really want to win, you know, those Muslims, I probably don't need to be eating pork in front of them. I, I probably don't need to invite, my, invite them over to my house and just try to stick bacon in front of them. You know, that's, that's wrong for me to do that. You know, I mean, if, if we really want to win people over, okay, if we really want to win people over, do we really think we're going to like win, you know, win some Muslim over, some Jew over as we walk up and hand them a track and take a bite out of a big old bacon sandwich? This is what Christians can do. Listen to them. That's unclean. That's, that's wrong. That's it. We don't need to do that. Okay. We don't need to destroy people for meat. Okay. And it's if you, if you really want that meat, you know, just wait. You know, eat it when they're not around. And, you know, th- thankfully we don't have to worry about that much because in this culture, everyone's used to seeing people eat pork and bacon and everything's got bacon on it. Burger King used to sell sundaes, chocolate sundaes with bacon. Okay? So, you know, this isn't something we have to worry about too much in this culture. People get it. Okay? They, they get it, but things were different during this time. So it says, Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. When nobody's looking, go eat that bacon sundae. God won't be mad at you. Listen, God, God won't, God's not mad at you. When you're at home and there's no Jews around to get offended and there's no Muslims around to get offended, go to town on the bacon. Thank the Lord for it. It's sanctified by the Word of God in prayer. And eat it before God and God will have zero problems with it. But if you do, you just go eat it in your neighbor's face just because you can. That's not right. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. So Christian liberty shouldn't be about what we can get away with, but it should be used for edifying. So uh, verse 23 says, And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So notice that if someone eats something that they think is sin, that they actually are sinning. That's what Paul's saying right here. And so because of this, we shouldn't push people into doing something that violates our conscience. If we get one of the Amish ladies saved in this area and she starts coming to church here, we don't need to try to get her to start wearing skirts short enough she can show her ankles. Okay, We all know we're allowed to do that. But to her, that might be a sin. To her, that might mean you're a hussy. You know what? We don't need... Listen, if she wants to wear skirts down to her feet, that's fine. She's not hurting anything. And you know what? So we we don't need to push her to be more like us in that area. It's not, it's not necessary. So, um, here's the, another big question though, again, because is it okay for us to apply these things to things like dress standards and, or music standards? And I believe they do apply. So, I want to say th- a few things that said some of you might not totally agree with this, but they're true anyway. But listen, certain items of clothing may not mean the same thing to you that they do to other people. Okay? So, for example, the pants on women. Did you know that not every woman that wears pants is a whore or a cross-dresser? Now, I've heard preachers get up and say that. Okay? My uncle that was just here recently told me a story about a preacher that got up one time, and he said, all women that wear pants are whores. And he's like, and I don't apologize for saying that. And so his dad, my great-uncle, went up to him after the service and... I uh, said, you wanted to go outside. And he's like, why is it? Because I'm going to fight you. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, why is that? He's like, you said all women that wear pants are whores. He's like, my mom wears pants. My sisters wear pants. And they're not whores. He's like, well, I didn't mean them. And he, he's like, you said all women. <laughs> and and the, guy ended up, the guy ended up backing down, you know, even though he said he wouldn't apologize. He ended up backing down. And he said, well, you're going to be back up there preaching tonight. And he said, when you get up there tonight... Preach, I want you to apologize for what you said. And he said, and, just, and the guy's like, all right, he's like, I will. And he said, and just understand, if you don't, after service, I want to meet you outside. And we're going to fight. <laughs> and and the, guy, the guy apologized. 
That was wrong. Good. Not everyone that wears pants is a cross-dresser. Okay? That's not what it means. Here's, here's the thing, too, about pertaineth. All right? A woman should not wear that which pertaineth to a man. That means something prepared for. Okay? Did you know that some of the pants that women wear, I'm not saying this is okay, but some of the pants that women wear, they were designed for women. If you don't believe that, and if it's always cross-dressing, then it's okay for guys to wear women's pants. Okay, now, is any guy going to go to the women's section and buy their pants? I hope not, because if you do, we would call you the cross-dresser. Because there's clearly a difference, isn't there? There's clearly a difference. You don't believe me? I, I, no, don't go try them on, all right? Don't, you'll find out if you go try them on. And the way some guys preach, it technically wouldn't be cross-dressing, because it's, you know, pants... Again, the word pants is always a man's garment. Okay? But no. If it was prepared for a woman, then technically it's not a man's garment. Okay? And oh, well, they, they wore pants in the Bible. Uh, you know, men wore, the men wore pants in the Bible. Did it call, I thought they wore breeches in the Bible. What are breeches? Are they pants? Are they shorts? You see how these, the words and these things change over time? Now, let me say this. When it comes to pants on women, I think that's more of a modesty thing. And let me tell you, you know, because most of the pants on women, another reason I don't want guys wearing those things is because, you know, they show too much curvature and stuff. I don't want to get specific on all this stuff. But we gotta, we got to watch our rhetoric on this stuff, okay? Men wear shirts. Women wear shirts. But there's shirts that pertain to women or were prepared for women. And there are shirts that pertain to men or were prepared for men. And we should wear the clothes that pertain to our gender. That's very important that we do that. And so, again, uh, so some, might, some people might think, well, you're just justifying pants on women. But here's what I'm saying. There is no doubt that there is an effort to take away male and female distinctions when it comes to clothing. You're burying the head in the sand if you don't think that. There's no doubt about that. And so as Christians, I do believe we should take a stand against the unisex movement. I think we should set a good example. I think we, make, we need to make sure as Christians we keep a clear distinction between male clothing and female clothing. We've got, we've got to keep that there because we know that that kind of thing is right and so when it, but I'm just saying, when it comes to women who wear pants, there's more than one reason that they do it. It's more than just that they're cross-dressers. Okay? There's, there's more. Some, most women, you know what they're doing? They're just following the course of the world. And they're just going along with whatever the style is. Okay? They're not whores, they're not cross-dressers. They're just going along with the style. Most women don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. Most women, they want to just kind of do what everyone is doing, okay? And so that's why they're wearing the things that they're wearing. It's just because that's what everyone's doing. Now, as Christians, are we just supposed to walk according to the course of this world? Okay? Are we supposed to be just like a dead man walking like we see in Ephesians 2? No, we've got a spirit in us. We don't need the world to think for us. We don't need the world to tell us how to dress, how to do these things. You know, and we can, we don't have to follow these trends. We don't have to go along with these things. And you know what I do? I think we need to hold the line and we need to keep that distinction there. And so we have standards in our family. We, you know, we, my daughters aren't out there wearing pants. Okay. They, they don't do that. Why? That's a standard that we have in our family because not just because I don't want them cross-dressing, but because I want to hold the line and I want to keep women feminine. I want to keep clear distinction in there. And when it comes to pretty much all, all the pants that women wear today, they're either way too masculine or they're way too immodest. And so, I'm, you know, we're, we're going to keep that kind of stuff out. Some women are trying to hold the line on being feminine and they are trying to represent and promote old-fashioned femininity. And I think that's good. I think we need... All ladies do that. And if it's not going to be the Christians, I don't know who's going to do it. Now, some women also, they know better when it comes to these things, but they want to go with the flow and they're just compromising because they don't want to be noticed. There's a lot of Christian women, they know, you know, I probably shouldn't be like the world. I know that's not very modest, 
but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, that's not right. And But you know what? It's not the same reason for everybody. So I can't just get up and declare all women that aren't following my standard, whore, you know, cross-dresser. I can't do that. That's not, that's not right. There are different reasons. And so when it comes to these people that just don't know any better, just going with the flow, you know, I need to just mind my own business in that area. I knew a guy one time, he went to one of these big meetings one time, and they were ripping on how women dress and talking about how they're whores and wicked and all that kind of stuff. And you know what he did? He came home, and he was so fired up. We were driving down the road, and he saw a lady in, pair of sh- in a pair of shorts, and he rolled down his window and screamed at her that she was wicked. She had no idea why this guy screamed at her that she was wicked. Why did that guy scream at me that I'm wicked? I'm dressed like every other woman is dressed in the summertime. Well, that made him feel pretty spiritual. I told him, I was like, I don't think she knows why you told her she was wicked. Yeah, she shouldn't have been wearing shorts that short. But you know what? He didn't need to be screaming at her that she was wicked. She doesn't know any better. It's, it's the, it, you know, and again, well, there's a lot of young girls out there wearing things that young ladies should not wear. But why are they doing it? Because it's what everybody tells them they should do. That's how, they're, they're just trying to fit in in their schools. They're wearing what everybody's showing them on TV. Well, that's not right. Well, you know what? Somebody's got to teach them what's right. And you know what doesn't help these people? Some crazy guy rolling down his window screaming that they're wicked and not telling them why. That doesn't work. And it wouldn't have worked on any of you back before you knew any better. So let me explain you know, what we're actually trying to do in our own misguided way. And I'm saying in the IFB world when it comes to this subject. Okay. There, in the Bible, it does say in 1 Corinthians 16.22, and I, I really hope I can explain this part good, and I'm going to close with this. The Bible says, If any man love not our Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. You know, we should cut off people who don't know, love the Lord. And you know, there are people who grew up being taught the truth, and they have fallen in love with the world. This kind of thing happens. What did Paul say? For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. The Bible says, Love not the world, neither things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. We are not supposed to love the world. And when people fall in love with the world, it usually, and I'm talking about Christian people, when Christian people, people who grew up in Christian churches like this, when they fall in love with the world, it usually manifests itself in very specific ways. And some of the most obvious ways it manifests itself is through dress and music. Those are super noticeable things. When you fall in love with the world, when a church falls in love with the world, the dress and music is the first place where you see it, where it's super obvious. What you wear says a lot about what you love, about who you are. But you know what? It doesn't say everything. And clothing is one of many things that communicate who we are. And some, uh, and a lot of people would try to disagree with that, but you know what? Paul would have, he'd be on my side in this one. You know what Paul said in 1 Timothy 2.9 when he said, Let, uh, in like manner, also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but that which becometh women professing godliness with good works. If a woman professes godliness with good works, there is a way that becometh a a way a woman dresses that becometh that, that represents that. And what you wear does communicate some things. But here's what happens. Sometimes when preachers start getting specific about different things that manifest worldliness, he might have ten different things that he names, and if somebody's doing all ten of those things, you know, they're probably worthy of saying, this person loves the world, they don't love the Lord, we need to cut them off. But then, a lot of times, somebody hears that pastor get up and name these ten things. They start doing this kind of music, they start dressing this way, they start doing this with their hair, they start doing this, 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 this. Then you hear all those things, you make a list of those things, and then you just go declare everyone anathema who does any one of those ten things. But the problem is, I might be preaching against some guy that used to be one of us, used to be in the IFB, and now he's a trendy. 
That's what I'm talking about. But the thing is, there might be, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there. Did you know that some people find Christ in trendy churches? How, how many of you went to a trendy type church before you went to a church like this one? Eh? Well, there's a lot of you in here. You got saved in a more trendy type church. Now, we would say, you know, you grew, you got close to the Lord, you became more conservative, but, you know, you still found Christ in those places. And so the thing is, aren't you glad, you know, when we first saw you ladies, you know, and you were wearing a pair of pants, we didn't call you a whore and a cross-dresser? Aren't you glad we didn't do that to you? That probably wouldn't have helped you out very much. But because I'm so mad at that preacher, he knew better, and he went trendy, and his wife's dressing this way now, you know, now I'm just declaring all women who dress that way, who do this kind of music or whatever, I'm, I'm just declaring them all anathema. I won't have nothing to do with those people. And you know what? I don't want to have anything to do with people who don't love the Lord. And just because this person who fell in love with the world is now being manifested in these areas, it doesn't mean that every person who is into that specific thing is in love with the world and doesn't love the Lord. Some people might be growing out of that. And, but we do. Because we like to get specific on those things, sometimes we just start declaring things, these horrible, abominable sins that maybe aren't really that yet. You know, they might be, you know, indicate a direction that somebody is going, but it's not, it's not completely right. And so... Um, you know, when we break fellowship with someone for things like this, it, you know what, when it, you know, and here's the thing too, if there's a guy that's like us, you know, we got a guy, you know, he's wearing a suit and tie and he's preaching the next thing you know, uh, you know, he's wearing skinny jeans, got the purple lights, singing the seven elevens, got a mohawk, you know, starts getting tatted up. That's what they all do. One of the first things you're supposed to do when you go trendy is Tatted up like a pagan. I don't understand that, but they all do it. Uh, I don't know who's telling them to do that. But you know what? And I just named several things, didn't I? Mohawk, tatted up like a pagan, skinny jeans, purple lights. I just named a bunch of things, didn't I? Okay, now, here's the thing. What if one of these days I have somebody come in here and preach, and then you go back and you look in his live stream, he's got some purple lights. Oh, man, Pastor Tommy, he's compromising. You know, we know purple light people aren't saved. Listen, no. Did you know some people with purple lights love the Lord? I hate to admit it. Okay. Oh, well, if they do love the Lord, then there's nothing wrong with getting purple lights. Pastor, can we get purple lights here? We ain't changing. <laughs> All right. Listen, I. so we do, we... We start just becoming so passionate about all these outward things that we really, you know, it's not really any of our business. Again, we decided not to do these things. We have these standards. You know, it's right. It's okay for us to do that. But we do. We sometimes get so passionate. We start crossing lines and we start judging people in really nasty ways. And, and it's ultimately, even if we're right, okay, even if I do find that verse against purple lights in the Bible, and I'm going to get it, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm going to find it this time through the Bible. All right? I'm, reading, I'm always reading through the Bible. I'm, I'm determined to find it this time. I'm just kidding. But even if I find that verse against purple lights, I don't need to necessarily judge that and then go on a campaign to get this church shut down because of their light color. So listen, their standards or lack of them, it could be an indicator of where they're heading. But it doesn't say everything, so we can't go as far as creating a rule that says we won't have anything to do with someone who wears a specific item of clothing or listens to a certain type of music. You know what? What we need to do is just keep doing what we know is right and let God deal with everyone else in that area. And I'm telling you, when it comes to standards, I do. I, I think the standards that we have in this church and that, that I have in my family and in my personal life, I think they're good. I believe that God is pleased with them. But you know what? Not everyone does everything exactly the way we do. And it's very important that as a church, we don't get real worried about it. What we need to worry about is the fact that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 
And let's make sure we take care of ourselves and we set a good example. And you know what? Let's seek to figure out how we can edify one another. You know what? Again, like I, I was joking about in the first one of these, if we're as great as we think we are, if we're as right as we think we are, you know what? We need to hang around some of these purple light people so they'll get regular lights like we've got. You know, we need, we need to start, uh, we need to be a good influence out there. And at the end of the day, you know, there are, there's just some things we're allowed to say, that's not my problem. That's none of my business. And if you all want to come and show me a picture of Pastor Randall, turns out, you know, he puts purple lights in his church next week. You know, you shouldn't come tattle on me about that. You know, you really shouldn't. You know, you find out he wears something, you know, I don't necessarily approve of. You know, you see a picture of him in a pair of shorts and his thighs almost showing. Pastor Tommy, do you think that cross is like, you know, I just, I don't want to worry that much about it. But I tell you, you know, if I do, if I see him start wearing, a lot of guys are wearing those pink shorts that are above the knees. I, I can't find a verse against guys wearing pink in the Bible. I'm trying to find that one too. I'm hoping I get that one this time through on my Bible reading. If he starts doing that, I see the purple lights, hear the 7-Elevens, I start seeing a bunch of these things, you know, chances are I'll probably just withdraw. You know, there, I might, you know, there are some people, it would, it would tell me, if, if I, and I might be right, I might be wrong, he's kind of going another way. He's fallen in love with the world. I don't know for sure. I'm not interested in judging him. I'm not interested in controlling him. But I'm not perceiving the love of Christ in him like I used to. And so I might just want to keep my distance. What I don't need to do is get up and preach a five-sermon series, Rocky Randall Exposed, you know, for being a feminine queer preacher. You know, that's not, that's not right. And so we got to watch out for these things. And so I hope uh, this was a help and a blessing. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray this message was clear. Uh, that it got to the spirit of things, Lord. And I pray you help all of us, Lord, to be hardcore, be sincere on what we are supposed to do. I pray we will righteously judge in every area where you have given us authority to judge. But Lord, I pray you help us when it comes to others and things that are outside of our authority. You'll help us to uh, mind our own business. I hope you'll. I pray you'll help us to be edifying to other people and that we'll be Uh, people that can be a good influence and loving to to people even if they're a little bit different than we are. And you'll help us to just uh, have that right kind of spirit uh, like you'd want us to have. In your name we pray. Amen.